0: Hello, Courier Nation. Welcome to the Deliver On Your Business podcast, where you are the boss. Each week, we talk about how to make the most of your business as an independent contractor, as a courier delivering for gig economy apps like Grubhub, DoorDash, Postmates, Uber Eats, and so many others. Well, hello, Courier Nation! Welcome back for one more week of the Deliver on Your Business podcast. It is awesome having you back, and it's and it's pretty awesome being back too. I'm two days late. I don't think I've ever been two days late on the podcast, but I just had the opportunity here to get this uh, interview in, and it was something that I didn't want to make it wait until next week. So it was just worth getting it done and getting it done right and everything like that because. I think this is something that could be really special for a lot of delivery contractors, especially for those of you who are just really, really, really serious about actually running your business, about treating this like a business. Because, you know, there are things about when we do our deliveries as contractors for Grubhub and DoorDash and all these others that... You know, you got to stretch sometimes to make it feel like you're running a business because there are just aspects of the way they do things that still make it feel like an employment type of thing. And I think there's something just really special right now because I'm seeing something coming along that, boy, if these guys can get off the ground, my friends, this feels like an actual business opportunity, you know. Uh, We've got an interview with Bob McNulty, who has started up a new delivery company called Trip Delivers. Now, they are really, really, really on the ground floor. I mean, we're talking, we might be talking basement, we might be talking sub-basement. It's only been a couple weeks that they uh, started out in the Nashville market, and that's their first market that they're actually up and running with delivery. They've been getting things going, but they've got a very different model and I'm excited to have Bob McNulty on here to talk about that model, to explain about what they're doing different. Because I got to say, I mean, there's there's a part of me that wants to uh, maybe see if I can book a ticket down to Nashville and go check them out. And I might do that. And we just found out that my daughter is down with the uh, Rona. And... She seems to be doing okay and everything like that. It doesn't seem to be hitting her too hard, but now there's that quarantine thing. So it might be a couple of weeks before I can do something like that. But I'm serious, guys. This is something that, you know, I'm I'm excited because there are so many ways that you can take ownership of what they're doing here. And so I'm, you know what, I'm just going to let the interview go here and uh, let you listen because you can hear a little bit about what this is all about. And I think some of the opportunities here. Well, Courier Nation, I'm excited to have our guest on today. I have Bob McNulty from Trip Delivers, and Trip Delivers is a a new entrant coming into the delivery scene, and they're really kind of upending things with a totally different model, a totally different approach, uh, both for the restaurants and for the drivers. Everything that I'm seeing on it, it looks like it is really more of a true independent contractor model. Almost not even a contractor. There's, there, but it's, uh, you know, they're going to be working with us as drivers in, in a way that is much more being like an actual business owner than kind of that pseudo half employee, half contractor thing that you see with a lot of these others on here. So, Bob, I want to thank you for coming on and uh, joining us today and uh, for telling us a little bit about Trip Delivers. Well, I appreciate you inviting me, Ron. It's, yeah. Uh, a- talk with you. Yeah, since
1: no. you have a lot of industry and you really know the, the the you know the business.
0: Well, I you know I, I at least like to act like it. I'm never I'm <laughs> not sure if I know as much or if I just talk like it. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, Bob, tell us a little bit about what you're doing with Trip Delivers. Uh, you just got launched, I think, in Nashville. And uh, looking at some other markets as well, but just tell us about uh, kind of just give us an overview, I guess, of of what you're doing and uh, how you got started and why you decided to dive into this market.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's a really crazy story about how I got in this space. It wasn't by design, I can tell you that. <laughs> um, it, it was I was visiting my son in L.A. and uh, I spent the night with him, and he and I had an appointment up in Beverly Hills that morning but he had to drop his car off in Venice to get fixed. And and I like to be on time. I don't like to be late, you know, to meetings and things. And we had to drive through traffic and, you know, to Beverly Hills from Venice. It could take anywhere from 30, 40 minutes to an hour. So I said to him the night before, I said, don't forget, just get a, a town car and have him take us up there so we don't have to worry about getting up there on time. He said, oh yeah, no worry. So we're, we're at the dealership and he's dropping his car off. And I figured, you know, they'd have to pick us up, like, call it eight o'clock in the morning or something. And uh, so I, I said to my son, I said, well, is that car going to be here? I mean, because usually a car is really there before you're almost there, right? And he goes, oh, yeah, don't, don't worry about the thing. I got this. And, and then about five minutes later, I said, well, you think the car is going to show up? And he, he goes, yeah, Dad, let me show you. So he breaks out his phone and he says, you, you see that little car moving? I go, yeah. I thought it was a game. When I first saw him, and I go, yeah, I see the car. He says, that car is going to pull up in about five seconds. And I said, your kid, cause it was on the spot where we're supposed to, and we we're standing on the curb. And sure enough, this car pulls up and then we get in and then you get out and you don't have to pay. You don't have to get money out of your pocket. And you're, you're frumping around and trying to get out to a meeting and stuff. So that was my first introduction. And I was blown away because at the end of the meeting, before the meeting was over, he also put in to get a car. So we got done with the meeting, walked downstairs, walked out of the building, there was a car pulling up. So now I had two great experiences with Uber. Mm-hmm. And, and but I had no idea no idea I was ever going to go in this space. And then um over time I started using Uber and Lyft and over time, you, you know it's the same, you get in a car, how are you, what's going on, how long you've been driving, you know, how is it? You know, what's the big boogeyman, you know, stuff. And it was the same theme. I mean, I took 30, 40 rides and it was the same thing. We're not respected. We don't make any money. We work our buns off, you know, all the, all the things that you hear. And then I just started thinking about it. And then, you know, I started doing some research about the different companies like Lyft and Uber and, and then saw some of the stuff offshore in, you know, Asia and in Europe. And I'm thinking, geez, there's got to be a better way to do this because if these guys really aren't making money, they're not respected you got a real workforce problem and that translates to consumers and they're gonna they're not gonna like it because you know they got a disgruntled guy driving and all he's doing is railing on on the company so that's how i kind of got into the space but it took me over two years before i made a decision to go in it because i do research and it was never researched to thinking about going into the business, just research to kind of understand that, you know, the gig economy, because I wasn't really familiar with it in the way that they were talking about it. And then uh, just one day I said, God, this has got to be a better way to do this. And that's when I came up with the, the model we're using today. Okay. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, we were going to launch back in January, you know, just before COVID. And immediately you could see, you know, the, all the numbers started going south you know on on rideshare and i said no we got to pivot over to grocery because i do know about the grocery space not very much on the you know restaurant side but the grocery space i know pretty well so i said let's make that pivot over so we reshuffled our deck with the software and put that plan into work and now we're in the delivery business and i think we're going to really like it um one is it's it's probably the most profitable side of the business in rideshare, if you do it right, in our opinion. Okay. Um, it's got a lower cost of operating because you're not paying the absorbent insurance costs and all those kinds of things that you have to pay on the rideshare side. Um, and, you know, it's it's kind of interesting, you know, how you can, you know, get into a space not not knowing anything about it and then you because you spent so much time researching and talking to people and how you start to feel about the business and the industry itself and and uh, I really like it I think it's exciting I think it's got just huge upside from the standpoint just not groceries or restaurant but as I was saying a little bit ago on the general merchandise side you know you got th- there was a deal with Instacart just now it's yesterday they're doing with Best Buy so they're going to do pick, pack, and ship orders, or they'll be in the stores, you know, uh, doing that kind of stuff. So the innovation that's coming out of this is kind of interesting. Everybody's kind of got their own little, you know, they're going down their own track, you know. Sure. So, um, but yeah, and we could be in the Instacart business. We have it built into our system. We just elected not to do it right now. Okay. Uh, we're just going to play it
0: happens, you know. Start off with, so it sounds like you're starting off with restaurant delivery, and then possibly right. eventually move into... The retail delivery yeah well if it looks so, like a good opening for that later on yeah we're the restaurant for now probably in the next 120
1: days we'll start rolling into groceries okay. and then ultimately into the retail system itself most one of the things that's interesting if you look at the the numbers the grocery business and the restaurant business is almost two trillion dollars a year in the united states oh, so God. it's it's yeah, it's almost, it's right about 10% of the GDP of the United States. The other thing that most people don't know, that the retail sector out of like Best Buy and Home Depot and all these, you know, Walmarts, that's another $3 trillion, trillion worth of business out there. And if that goes the way where deliveries become more prevalent to use, because I know like, here's one of the things that my wife is an avid. Amazon user. <laughs> <probably get> <laughs> hey, I'm not kidding. So I was going to go up to, to Home Depot to get some rose food, you know, for because there have roses around here. And it's now that it's cooling down, the roses are all blooming and coming back. You know, when that's hot, they kind of okay. wither up. So I told her, I said, I'm going to run down to Home Depot and get some rose food. She's not, I'll do that. Just let me go order it. She said, they'll be here tomorrow, but, you know, because we have prime. I said, okay. So she ordered it and you just, it's convenient. But yeah, so it's the convenience side uh, is extraordinarily uh, great. So what you have to balance out is the convenience side and the pricing side. So it doesn't get overly priced. So people don't use it as a convenience. And that's why Amazon does so well, because even though their price is whatever, 200 bucks, I don't even know what it is for Prime now. But, you know, they've been able to balance that out because they've got a great service, you know, two day or whatever it is, or next day.
0: So I saw something this morning that's coming in today.
1: Yes. Yeah, see, that's what's crazy. And that same day. Yeah. So what, what's going to happen, though, and I think with, with Instacart doing a deal with, with, and I think it'll work out. I don't know what the numbers look like. But now you have you're back to convenience big time, like at Best Buy, because I could buy something today and they'll probably deliver it in the next hour, you know, or two hours, whatever it might be. So they pick it, they pack it, somebody delivers it, and you've got it the same day. So it's, it's, it's going to compete with Amazon at some point. And the point of contention is, you know, how close, and this is where Amazon has been brilliant, is how close they are to their customer. Like you said, I ordered something this morning, I got it this afternoon. Mm-hmm. And their strategic thinking and how they run their, you know, delivery service, which is really logistics. These guys are as good as anybody on the planet. But that's it, it all kind of gets back around to the same same stuff, you know? Yeah. How great a marketer are you? Do you have great cost controls over your business? Do you have a business model that works? You know,
0: all those kinds of things. Sure. Well, and, you know, since you mentioned business model, I mean, you've got a really interesting one. You're, you're not kind of another me-too delivery company coming out no. there. You know, everybody out yeah. there is doing, you know, we're going to charge the restaurant 30%, and we're going to yeah. charge the customer 20%, and we're going to give the drivers three bucks. And uh, right. you're doing a totally different approach. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you're structuring everything?
1: Yeah. So, uh, basically, on the restaurant side, which is kind of interesting, we use a referral business. So, if you go out and sign up a restaurant, then you participate in, ref- in referral income from that or residual income as every delivery through a trip driver picks up, you earn forty cents yourself. So if somebody was really enterprise and they said, Hey, I want to make, you know, some extra money. um, All I got to do is go sign up 20 or 30 restaurants. And if they're getting 10 or 15 orders a day through trip and delivering, I make 40 cents on all those. So it's a
0: great way for some. That's crazy because I mean, I just, I just think about this, that I walk into a restaurant and there's 10 orders waiting. That's that's four bucks for somebody. Exactly. (laughs) And and Somebody is the guy that signed up that restaurant
1: because you you went to the effort, signed them up, so you get all of that income on the forty cent side. What people in our business don't really understand yet is also most of these restaurants have 3,000 followers. Doesn't mean they're all in the store at the same time. Some as many as eight or nine thousand. We're going to teach the restaurant tour to send out the app to their customers, and then they'll make money every time their customer comes in too so it's it's kind of like a win-win for people but we ju- we just took a a very complex business meaning rideshare in general or a uh, restaurant business and tried to look at it from a simplistic view and the interesting thing is we actually have three customers we have the driver who's a customer we have the restaurant who's a customer and then we have the customer of the restaurant who's the end user is a customer so We have to understand all three components to market to them smartly. And that's why we use a referral based business and that that'll start getting traction as we start to build the business up.
0: Yeah, that's, and that's an interesting way to do it. I've got my um, son-in-law had uh, right before he married my um, stepdaughter there that um, had been managing a uh, restaurant out of town. And he's, he talked about, you know, the problem that he faced was that, uh, you know, he was maybe breaking even on deliveries and uh, it kind of makes it hard to really push deliveries. How is that different than for you guys? I mean, uh, if, if he's paying 20, 25% out to Uber Eats or Grubhub or anything like that.
1: Um, yeah. How, the flat fee, $2 or $3. If, if, if you're, a, if you become a member with us, like a, a prime member, if you think in that way, right. you're going to pay 2 or if you're a restaurant to have us pick it up and deliver it. Um, If you're a non-member, it's three bucks for us to pick up and deliver it. So it's pretty easy. Uh, Again, it's, it's, we know what revenue is coming in. Every time a car picks up an order, we know that 40 cents goes here, 10 cents goes there and the rest goes to the company. And so we just have to make sure we got enough going on at all these restaurants that we can make money. But even if you take it more in a, in a, a bigger picture and let's say we had a hundred thousand cars out uh, you know on the road in a day this working and you know because when in the in the u.s it wouldn't be unlikely that you could have a hundred thousand cars on the road if you want no, no, no. us so if you said you know what's the average let's say there was eight or ten pickups you know so let's say it's ten that's twenty dollars a day per car and a hundred thousand cars
0: yeah
1: <laughs> it's a serious amount of money that so if capture top line. So the other thing we don't do is like all the other rides companies or delivery companies by marking it up 20 30% or 40% and then they they take control of that money. The order goes through them. They run it on their card processing. They take 100% control of that money. So their top line, they're booking all of that revenue income, okay? So us, we only book the $2. So that's our business model is a lot simpler, you know. And but that two dollars is almost all margin for us, right? So it's a whole different way of of accounting for what's transacting in your business. The revenues may be lower by significant numbers um, on a gross basis, but the earnings will be there and dr-
0: and drive the business. So what you've got then is you've got the restaurant just paying a three dollar fee. They get the total amount of whatever is charged to the customer outside of that $3 fee. There's no big commission on top of it or anything like that. So what happens is
1: we issue the restaurant, their own merchant account and then uh, they get an order through the order actually goes through our system, but not the money. The money goes through their, into their pocketbook. Um, And it's, it's seamless because they'll get their money the same day they don't have to wait for four or five days to get it from you know a delivery company that controls the whole transaction cuz we have just think of it this way it's a freeway the money's going down the freeway and there's an exit that says $2 and there's another exit that says $3 system knows if you're a $2 or $3 person and it just sends us our money as it's going down the freeway and the rest goes into the into the restaurant tours uh, bank account
0: okay now how does that work for the driver then you know since most of my audience obviously is um, yeah, so the driver.
1: The driver gets so there's still a, a delivery fee for the consumer. Okay, and that delivery fee is is time, distance, um, you know, cancellation and wait time, and then the tip. So uh, w- we have to be very smart about how we price that because you don't want to price it so cheap that it hurts the driver, but you don't want to price it so high that it hurts the consumer. So you have to look at that. But we think on average a driver will pick up probably seven, eight bucks uh, for delivery, not counting the tip. So if you think in terms of 10, 11, 12 bucks, now the good news is some of our research shows that, and maybe maybe it's not that way, but um, usually if you get an order that's 35 to 50 bucks, the person that's ordered is actually fairly generous on the tipping side. So they'll get a 15 or 20% tip usually.
0: One thing that I noticed and uh, something that you mentioned about the way that works is, I mean, that sounds like what the customer is paying, what the driver gets paid is 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 based directly on what the customer is paying. Then. Is that, is, did I get that correct? Right. Okay. Yes. He gets 100% of the fare. See, and that's very different than what we get with Grubhub or DoorDash or Uber Eats where what we're paid has nothing to do at all but with what the other companies pay, which is interesting. I mean,
1: So what, what we found is because of the pricing models that everybody else uses, mm-hmm. they kind of play hide the football, you know, it's so the driver doesn't know what the end result is of the total right. fare, you know, so there's a lot of miscommunications and then you see what you were just talking about where you see a 50 cent fee for this and an extra $2 for that. and You know, it's kind of banged you all over the place. And there's no transparency. Our our receipts are transparent. So the driver, rider, or the person that bought the food and the restaurant all see the same receipt. There's no hidden nothing. You see it all. Yeah, that transparency. And that was we found in our research that really upset drivers.
0: That they just couldn't see the number. <laughs> Absolutely correct. That uh, transparency would make you everybody's best friend right away. It really yeah. would. No, yeah. You know, there's an interesting thing that I, you know, notice like uh, when it comes to our taxes as drivers, usually we get a 1099 from everybody. Uber Eats is the one difference where they use a 1099K, which they try and make it look like they use that 1099K because they're acting like the processor, that they're just kind of facilitating this transaction between the customer and the driver. And they're kind of more of a middleman. But the problem is, is the delivery fees never line up with what we are paid. So it's all, you know, it's, it's showmanship and it's all designed to make it look like it's a a distant transaction for misclassification purposes or something like that. But it's not real, but it sounds like what you're doing is actually real. What they're doing is actually what we're getting. Yeah.
1: We do everything in real time numbers. It's not, you know, it's, if, if the, if the, if let's say the fare is 10 bucks, we show every line item on the fare. If the, since we don't deal with the food cost, we don't have any food cost. We don't show that, but we show that we'll, we'll show it's a, either a $2 or $3 because it's on the same line item. So, you know, the restaurant tour can see it and the consumer can see it and the driver can see it that way. They don't have to think about cheese that I just get screwed for five bucks because that was one of the things I heard. Almost in every conversation, you know, we don't know what we really make. You know, they say it's this, but I found it's this. And that leads to, you know, your your driver, who's the backbone of your business, to be upset, disgruntled, whatever you want to call it, lack of faith in who's paying them. And that needs to be addressed. That was the first thing that we saw. You got you got to have transparency. You just You can't keep people in the dark and think they're going to be happy campers. And, you know, they may have a, a $50 delivery, you know, or $60 delivery.
0: They don't even know what it is. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, and it's just, I mean, I hear it from really all sides, drivers, yeah. the customers, the restaurants. And, yeah. uh, you know, and the only one that really knows what's going on with any of that is the delivery company. <laughs> exactly. So, so and that, here's the thing,
1: the delivery companies like, I got into a whole discussion about marking up menus and how we, how we were going to handle menus opposed to other people. And, um, and I asked a number of our own people, I said, why do you think they handle the menus like they handle them? And I was shocked. Even our people couldn't. Well, you know, they just want to mark up the menus. And I said, no, it's a profit center for them. They don't only want to mark it up. They want to control it. And if they have that kind of control, now they control the restaurant. They can tell the restaurant because they're fearful of losing business, particularly in COVID time, because every dollar counts that goes to the restaurant right now. And they wanna control their business. And then essentially, they're giving up their own freedom to run their business. They're being dictated to by these small, or not small, very large companies and these small businesses, mom and pops, you know, and, and they, they don't have a lot of choices. That's the problem. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I no, mean, they're saying just... over 200,000 restaurants will close this full year, 2021. Or, well, will never reopen.
0: Yeah. Well, and it sounds like it could get worse. Um, we just, uh, Colorado just kind of amped things up again, and they're going to shut down restaurants again for in-seat dining. And... Um, that's some of these, <laughs> it is, I think, you know, some of these places that struggle to open up and yeah. now they have to close down again or something like that. And yeah, I hate it, I just, especially yeah. the mom and pop places, you know, the guys. That,
1: uh, the, the chains can handle it. I mean, you know, they've got deep pockets, most of them. So they don't have to really worry about, you know, yeah, it's going to look bad on their, you know, quarterly, you know, reporting. Sure it is. They're going to lose millions of dollars but they can weather the storm, the, the small mom and pop that has, you know, 10 or 12 tables and, you know, in, in are in there in the morning and working and they're working all day and all night. I mean, they put in 15, 16, 18 hour days in those restaurants and um, it's, it's going to be devastating for them.
0: One thing I wanted to back up to just a little bit, cause you talked about the uh, you, you gave like the freeway analogy where, you know, so the money if kind of, the money's going to, the restaurant right away and everything like that. And that sounds like that means it's also going to the driver right away.
1: Exactly. We give the driver their own merchant account also. So the money goes straight to the driver. So we don't, we don't have any access to their account. We built some technology with, with, with a couple of different processors. We, we actually architected, we did. um, And we actually filed a provisional patent on it. Um, So when a driver signs up with us now, um, you go, he goes through a background check. He can sign up with us literally in four or five minutes. I, mean, I sign myself up because I don't like to tell people you can do it this way. If you, and I'm not a computer guy. I mean, my phone is my computer. So when I signed up on the company, I just signed up with my phone. I just made sure I had the documents I needed. I took pictures of them and all that stuff. And then uh, we, we use this really kind of neat software for background check. And it'll actually give us a background check. Um, probably in three or four minutes now, and it uses AI facial recognition and things like that. So it looks at your, your driver's license and then it says, okay, that's a real face. It's not a, you know, a clown face or some other face. It, and then it, it recognizes it. So we use some pretty good stuff there. And then it's right after that, then the, you get your, you sign up and get your, uh, merchant account and gets issued almost immediately. And, uh, then you're in business.
0: Wow. So then the customer buys, you know, the, the customer orders the food. They pay right. for it. Yeah. The delivery fee basically goes directly from the customer to the driver rather than just right. you guys shelling out whatever you want to give on that. Right, right. It goes directly the, from, from the customer to the driver. And then the food fee goes directly to the restaurant. And right. then your 2 or $3 delivery fee then just goes to you. Right. That is so, so different
1: and it's so easy you yeah. know you, it take a lot of manpower to manage it and do split commissions and figure out what and, and I'm sure i mean I've never seen other guys have for systems but I, I'm sure they're pretty sophisticated stuff but still anytime you're you're trying to manage a bunch of money it's it's you know it's it's laden with cost
0: oh yeah no yeah. that's an interesting way to do things. And there's something about that then, too, that I think that, you know, we just had that whole Prop 22 thing happen out in California, uh, this whole challenge between whether you're an employee or an independent contractor. And we're kind of in this gray area with most of these companies where there's a lot of stuff that kind of acts like an employee, but we're classified as an independent contractor, like we're really running a business. Right. Pop 22, part of that was trying to say, we can still continue to do that model. But when I look at how you guys have everything structured, it really seems much more independent for the driver because you're not, I don't know, you're you're actually getting paid directly by the customer then. and right. Is that, where do you think, um, and I guess where I'm going with this is I got this, Thing about, I know with uh, what looks like we're going to have a new administration that is much more labor friendly, and yeah. especially when it comes to the federal side of things, they're going to be taking, I think, a lot closer look at the gig economy. And, um, but I think that this kind of sets you up to be really more of a true independent contractor or business to business relationship than what the typical model is that's out there.
1: Yeah, we have no worries in our mind uh, because we are really a platform provider. We don't touch the money. There's so many things we don't do that everybody else does. Right. And, and that was by design day one. We saw this coming, even though it was two years ago when we started, but the, the plan was always to be, to put the driver as really the owner operator, right? So he owns and operates his own business. We give him the tools or her the tools to do that. You know, we give them a great platform. We, we teach them how to do this. We teach them how to do that. But at the end of the day, they control all their money. None of it, not a penny comes to us. Yeah. And, uh, and we thought that was the best way to handle it because I think you're right. I think that there are going to be pressure put on the gig economy because they want to unionize or they want to tax or whatever it may be. And, and which is really interesting, the drivers themselves don't want to be employees, the yeah. vast majority. You know, so you got to figure out how do I balance that as a, as a company like us, how do we balance the things that we could do later down the road as we get bigger and stronger financially that helps drivers even beyond what they're doing. Um, And we've, we've looked at a lot of different programs, you know, but I think that truly the, the driver wants to be an independent person. He wants to drive on his own schedule, work when he wants doesn't want his money messed with you know right. no, absolutely uh, and they right. want money when they want their money they don't want to work now and see it tomorrow or the next day they want to see it now
0: yeah and that's what uh, that's really interesting I mean so and 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 because of the way you've got this set up you know you allow us to have more skin in the game because we not only get our delivery fees but if we go out and we recruit if we sign up a restaurant yeah. we can earn money based on that. If yeah. we get another driver, we can earn money based on that.
1: Yeah. You have a residual income off the drivers. So it's, you know, it's, it starts at 50 or starts at 40%. Uh, if you're just a side hustle driver, it goes 50 and five. And with this new program we're going to introduce tomorrow night, it could go to three levels. So <laughs> it could start really churning out some dollars for you know the drivers themselves i mean if you if you only wanted to get two or three of your friends signed up that are drivers you'll never pay another dollar in a monthly subscription fee with us you'll yeah it'll be free
0: Now that is one thing that is a little bit different is you do have that subscription fee for drivers right uh, i look at it it's almost kind of like doing a franchise or something in some ways and yeah Fast model, but
1: the interesting thing is, if you said the delivery driver is going to make ten bucks, let's say, and it it's thirty nine ninety nine for seventy five rides, so seventy five rides to generate seven hundred fifty bucks, and you paid forty dollars for it, so that's a pretty good return. Yep. Uh, you know, you're not even talking. You know, it's like what is that? Uh, so it's like five percent four percent or something like that and then on the unlimited at 99 you, it's unlimited rides so if you want to do a hundred rides 200 rides 300 deliveries whatever you might want to do you can do and you you know and i've seen guys that are, that are really made some serious money that drive when i say serious money where they they had over a 1, thousand twelve hundred fifteen hundred bucks taken out, out for their commissions uh, you know take to pay uber and with us it's a hundred bucks yeah you know yeah so you just put whatever number it is seven eight hundred a thousand bucks back in your pocket and that's exactly. significant that's so again everything on us is based on volume operating efficiencies logistics all that kind of stuff
0: okay now you guys are right now just got started in Nashville is that correct
1: yeah correct
0: okay and how, how has that gone so far have you uh had enough time to really see any of the results as far as like a the, the business uh, keeping the drivers busy different things like that
1: no we're just we're just getting uh, you know amped up we spent the first three four weeks signing up restaurants you know mm-hmm. um and then as they're restaurants are coming online and getting some orders we're we're monitoring those to make sure hey we get there on time we pick it up it's you know all the things that we're looking for metrics to make sure we're not going to have any issues then the next step is getting scaled up to make sure we don't have any issues now right now our platform is running just fine we, we don't see any issues we should be able to scale as quickly as we want in multiple markets at a time so it's a matter of getting the referral partners engaged. That's why we're doing this call tomorrow night, starting to alert people. here. some of the things that are coming online. These are the things that you should be looking forward to um, and start re- really positioning the company. So we, we went from development technology company, but at the end of the day, we really are a marketing company. You know, we, we need to market our business, which does a couple of things. Obviously it puts more riders in, puts more drivers to work, you know, puts more restaurants online. So, All those people have to have touch points from some type of marketing. And that's, that's the next big step with us. And I just actually um, working with a firm that is really, really good at messaging for uh, what we want to do. And we want to put some humor in our stuff, you know, sure. We don't want to just be, you know, Hey, we're the guy that comes out here and gets your food for you, you know, just put a little humor so
0: they can see a, a real human touch to it. So how did you choose Nashville? How did Nashville become the choice? It, it doesn't sound like maybe the logical choice for somebody to launch. You'd think something a little more glamorous, or maybe I'm, I'm not guessing yeah. Nashville by any means. But. Everybody thought we we're going to
1: launch in Las Vegas, and yeah, you know. And I, one thing I I do understand because of being in startup mode for 40 years or plus, you know, the hazards of that, and, and the pitfalls and the mistakes you can make. And I like I tell everybody, look, we gotta be cautious right now. We don't need to be pounding our chest. We need to go in, run the business, let's look at every piece of it. Look under the hood, look under, you know, the tires filled with air, you know, all that stuff. So the logical choice was to find a small market, which is Nashville. Okay. But what you want though, in a small market, you still want some of the pizzazz that you get out of a big market. That's Nashville. They they have music, they're yeah. international. It's called the It City. Mm-hmm. Um, so it made really a lot of sense when we chose Nashville to go there. It's really controllable. You know, you have Nashville itself, and then you have, you know, some of the other outlying communities within 10 or 15, 20 miles of around there. So it's very easy to manage. Um, so that's why we picked it. Okay. So uh, we didn't to see a thousand restaurants online to know we're gonna have a problem. <laughs> we yeah. want to see. Uh, you know 50 or 100 online to find the problem
0: and then go like yo has that worked i mean pretty well as far as i guess um so far in being able to i guess fulfill those deliveries because i guess there's probably kind of a balance between getting enough restaurants for people to order but getting enough drivers yep. to take care of the deliveries right and and we have
1: that because we're not overburdened by anything okay. the next big step is getting the app out there you know, to download for the consumer. And that's where our marketing will come in at to basically flood the market. And that's another reason why we chose a smaller market, because we can find out in a small market as much as we could find out in a big market. But we also have more controllable on our expense side that we're not blowing our brains out marketing to get an effective download, right? So it just makes it much more easier to control for us with the same results we'll get the
0: same information sure um so i want to get you guys in denver so i can start delivering here how do i do that
1: <laughs> i love denver my son actually graduated from university of color you know colorado there in boulder okay sure and, uh, so denver's uh, you know part and parcel of our you know existence in my business career i've spent a lot of time in denver going back believe it or not to the 70s
0: so okay I've been around. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I think it sounds like you kind of give give some of us maybe a little bit of power to to influence. You know, I, I was able to you mentioned you got your video call coming up or your uh, uh training yep. thing tomorrow night, which would be Thursday night. Yep. And I'll put a link in the show notes, everybody, so that you can kind of if if you listen to this before the call, I I absolutely encourage you to be a part of it. Um, if not, um, it'll point you to, uh, to the, uh, channel for trip delivers and you can kind of get the replay of it and, uh, replay of some of the coffees that Bob has with drivers on Saturday morning. And I listened this last Saturday morning, you're kind of talking in that, uh, that call or something like that. A couple people saying, Hey, we want you to get started here. And so part of that was, well, if we start getting some uh, restaurants signed up, then that yeah. kind of moves somebody up on the list there. And right. So, so the thing is, if, if
1: in a market, all it takes is six or seven leaders and then motivate, you know, another 10 or 12 people, you could sign up 500 to 1,000 restaurants in four to six weeks. And then you're open for business. At the same time, when we see that momentum going, once we understand the marketing side, you know, what the message is going to be and how to do it, then we'll just plow the, the ad dollars into the marketplace and yeah. then start really. So our job really is, to get the app out there for the user, end user, customer, what we wanted to, and, and by making it the way we've done it with the referral partners and the drivers and everything, it even reinforces that they're working for themselves even more because they they're but they're going to get paid. But if they took the initiative, then they could have multiple revenue streams. You know, one from the recruiting side, one from the restaurant side, one from the driver side. You know, yeah, and uh, and that's the way we kind of looked at at the business. Uh, and and I'm sure, you-, you know some anomalies, you know in the in the mix. But so far, the last couple of uh, last week and and this week, so far, everything's been running fairly smooth. We haven't had a lot of big things. The biggest thing for us was, could we get a hundred plus menus loaded? And I think we're at right at a hundred
0: right now okay. for for Nashville market. Yeah, because every time you get a restaurant on, somehow you've got to get that information up onto the site. yeah. And, and and the problem with the restaurant menu
1: is the menu itself is a PDF file, so you can't manipulate it. So it's harder to get in, okay. upload it, and then and then we have to come behind it with the CSV file so we can adjust pricing. If the if what we want to do ultimately is train the restaurant tour to manage their own pricing, you know, do all of the stuff that they need to do. The problem is, you know, they're they're just so darn busy.
0: Yeah, you know. Um, are there, uh, any other cities that are close to coming online at this point?
1: We're, we're taking a hard look at Atlanta, Houston, maybe Denver now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I know uh, a yeah. few places, so.
1: Yeah, we, we got a little traction in, um, Atlanta and a little bit in Houston. The the good news about Houston is that, um, that Shanna, who's with us, I don't know if you heard of her, but she runs the restaurant side. She knows that market really well. She actually opened that market for DoorDash. Okay. And so she's gonna get with the field and start giving them leads and all that kind of stuff and tell them who to go to. And and then she does the training class also. So she's terrific at training.
0: No, and that's 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 the part that's just interesting right now. It's it's uh, it's kind of fun just seeing the start of something like this. And you kind of wish that uh, it gets started a little faster or something. So those of us that are not in markets that are started yet could take advantage of it, but. Oh yeah. You, you put a group of
1: guys and gals together to go open that market. And you, you had, like I said, a half a dozen dozen, you could yeah. open that market in a minute and we'll just come right behind it, you know, and, yeah. and supporting it. But the market, you know, we have in our database right now, we have about a hundred, I think 160 main markets, so Denver would be a main market, mm-hmm. but then we have the submarkets within there, like Aurora and all those little sure. like Wood and all that. So we have those in. So in our database right now, we have over 3,000 cities. Okay, out of the 160 markets, and there's 3,000 markets attached to those 160 cities.
0: Now, for for getting started with something like that, especially when you're getting off the ground in a city, is that better that you kind of get the restaurants that are clustered together or yeah
1: yeah if you can get clusters it makes it easier for the driver obviously right absolutely yeah i could work a market you know like you know he might just only want to work six or seven miles from his house so if there's a cluster in there he'll or she'll figure out how to work those markets
0: you know well, Bob, I want to thank you. Uh, if anything else that you want to bring up, or anything else you can think of, or something like that? Kind of tell a little bit about uh, you know what you're doing, or any kind of message you want to leave with drivers, or anything like that.
1: Well, I I, I would say this that one is I appreciate you inviting me uh, to to talk about the trip. Um, yeah, I th- I think that you know the drivers a lot of them aren't salespeople, so they're a little intimidated by asking, you know, uh, a restaurant to sign up. So they they have okay. to get over that personal fear of you know rejection which we all have right um but I, I would like to maybe in a month as we start ramping up getting closer to christmas maybe uh, you know just hit me up or i'll hit you up and i'll give you an update
0: yeah unless you know, oh, you know I love your,
1: that. Here's the other markets we're looking at or here's ones we're getting ready to open or whatever and then uh you know just use as a platform to communicate with people and let them see what's going on out there because i think once a driver gets involved with us, he's going to like it or she's going to like it. Yeah. yeah. They can put more money in pocket. It's just that simple. Same thing with the restaurant. Like I was with these guys on a, on a call today. I was telling you about, they're just blown away.
0: Yeah. You know, Oh, I know. I just, uh, when, when I look at, uh, you know, some of the driver, driver forums, the Facebook groups and different things like that. And you always get somebody that'll come in and they'll talk about DoorDash or they'll talk about Grubhub as we, and of course, most of the other drivers will then kind of shoot them down. They're saying, hey, you just acting like an employee or something yeah. like that. You know, they say, well, we want to go out, and maybe try and spread the word, get more people, get some restaurants involved or get customers involved because that'll help us stay in business. And, right. and there's, there's some truth to that. But at the same time, you don't get rewarded for that with most situations like this. But with what you're doing, you can really yeah. feel like you're really a part of this thing.
1: Well, yeah, because you know it's you know kind of all these companies. Every every company has different leadership styles and what matters to their own internal employees, external, whatever it might be. And I've always been, you know, I came from blue, blue, blue collar family, so we all worked, and um, so you know you know the value of working hard, and, and you know the value of your time, and you Absolutely. know people don't realize you know, if you're off working and you're driving, you're not with your family, you know, so you're, you're and you got to support them and you're working your tail off. All those things do matter. So from my perspective, we always try to look at the employee first in the company. That's why everybody in our company has stock options or is a stock owner, every employee. Okay. So, because at the end of the day, if we do the right thing and the company becomes valuable, then the people that work the hardest
0: are going to get rewarded. Yeah. And that's, no more complicated than that, you know? No, that makes sense. Well, Bob, I want to thank you again for coming on right. and, uh, I'll put links up in, uh, in our, uh, show notes and everything like that. So that, uh, you can kind of see where to go for a trip delivers and folks yeah. go check out the, uh, uh, go check out their YouTube channel. If you want to really get into the nitty gritty, they've, they've got all their trainings up on right there on the uh, website that you can just get into. You can kind of see how they do stuff and, uh, go in on Thursday night to, uh, Uh, Listen to some of the stuff coming up here or to the Saturday morning coffee with Bob. And um, thanks again, Bob. Okay. Ron. Appreciate it. You bet. Have a good one. What do you think Courier nation? I don't know about you. I don't know if you're as excited about what this possibility could be as I am, but I am just looking at, this model. And I'm very intrigued. I got to tell you, I am really intrigued. And the fact of the matter is they're barely off the ground, you know? So I have no idea how well this is going to go. Let me put it this way. I'm a Nebraska football fan. And every year we all think, hey, the team looks good on paper. And then every year they get out on the field and the execution just isn't always what it should be. But the thing about it is, there are those of us who are old enough to remember a long, long, long time, where nobody executed as well as they did as consistently. So I tell you what, when when you got the plan there, and you got the execution on top of it, it's it's an amazing thing to see. And I see something here that, man, I tell you what, the way it looks. And the more that I think about it and look at it, it's like, this thing could take off. And if the execution is there, and if if they do as well at delivering on getting the product out to the customers as they've done in delivering, I think a very intriguing business plan. This could be really, really interesting, really fun to watch, and really fun to be a part of. So I just encourage you, kind of keep an eye on these guys pay attention and, um, go check out their YouTube channel, go sit in on, uh, you know, some of the, uh, the videos, the live videos that they put out. And, and if you're interested, if you're wanting to be part of getting this thing off the ground, uh, shoot me a note, uh, cause I can, uh, I can get you in touch with everybody here. And, uh, It's just going to be fun to see what happens here, you know, and I kind of hope somebody can come along and disrupt the big guys. I mean, if you want to know what kind of geek I am about this kind of thing, you ought to go check out episode 51 or go to entrecourier.com slash 51 because I spent a whole episode there talking about here's one way I think somebody could come in and just totally disrupt this industry. And I tell you what, if these guys pull it off, well, they could really disrupt this industry. And for a guy like me, it'd be so fun to watch. Thanks everybody for tuning in here again this week. And let me ask one favor as you wrap up. Is this website, is this podcast, is any of this helping you take control of your delivery business? I really hope it is. It's what I want to do. I want to help you just think of this like a business and I want to help you take control of everything that's going on. And so this is the thing. If I am helping you in that way, in any way, shape or form, could you spread the word? Could you let people know about the Entree Courier website, about the Deliver on Your Business podcast? And if you're listening to this on any of the sites that, like uh, Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, anything that allows you to leave a review, please leave a review. Let people know, just because that helps us get found, and the more that people can find us, the more that we can help other people to be the boss. And that's the thing as we wrap up today. I think that's one of the things that is so exciting about this is you've got an opportunity to be in on the ground floor of something I think that could be really special. But I think that it also is more of a true business-to-business business type model where you're going to actually working, be working as a business and it's not a charade like some of these others. And I just I love that idea. And so that's the thing I encourage you to do today as we wrap up today is take control. Look at what you're doing as a business. Look for where you can control the things you can control. Take control of your delivery business. Go out there and be the boss.